Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Corey Willis with PVI and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of DD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Before we get to today's episode, we wanted to encourage you guys, if you're listening to us on one of the podcast apps, make sure you head on over to YouTube, search the Diesel Podcast, and subscribe to the channel. There was recently, I was chatting with a, a listener, and he was like, hey, I, I just found the podcast. I love it. I'm listening as much as I can, but I don't have enough time to go through all 200 plus episodes that you guys have done, and I'm looking for some information on this issue with my truck. And so what we're doing is we're going back through our episodes and just honing in on specific topics, whether it's um, a company that was on talking about how to fix an issue or a repair shop that talks about diagnosing something or a racer that tried a different combination with the suspension or, or something like that and giving you guys five to 10 minute clips that are straight to the point. There's nothing else other than this particular topic and what the guest has to say. And we're only going to have those on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, search the diesel podcast, subscribe, you're going to see that in our playlist section. And we're going to be talking about Cummins, Duramax, Power Stroke, everything that we've talked about for over four years. We're going to have these short clips there for you guys. Also, we wanted to let you know that BD Diesel has a 10% off sale right now, and the guys over at Alligator Performance have a ton of their products ready to go, and we've had BD Diesel on the podcast a lot in the past, talking with Christian and, and other people there at BD Diesel about their products, what goes into designing them, and they've had some really cool things that they mentioned to us months ago that are now on the market, like um, California-approved EDO carb number turbochargers for different diesel trucks that you can get if you live in California, and they've really been working hard to be able to make sure that the products that they offer are emissions compliant and you can run them no matter where that you no matter where you live and it's you know for Cummins Duramax Power Stroke new and old trucks the guys over at Alligator it's a really top-notch organization I've chatted with a lot of the guys there who are diesel enthusiasts at heart and you know each one of them you know will specialize in a particular truck or a couple of different ones so it's really cool when you talk to them over there and like hey I've got this 5.9 Cummins and it's doing this issue what do I need and the person you're talking to is like man I had the same issue on my truck and this is what I did it fixed it we've got it ready to go you know you can have it in a couple of days so if you're looking to save 10% off on some truck upgrades before we head into winter head on over to alligatorperformance.com you can check out what they have if there's any questions that you do have about a particular part or, or some issue that you're facing on your truck Give the guys a call. They're more than happy to chat with you and make sure that you get exactly what you need. Today, we're going to be talking with Lenny Reed. He's the owner of Dynamite Diesel Products, and we wanted to catch up with him from our last episode where he was telling us about being able to custom build injectors on site, and that's incredibly important for the high performance, the racing scene, the uh, the people and the companies that are out there really pushing the, the power envelope and being able to save time and deliver exactly what they need in a set of injectors to them right there at their shop. And so we're going to catch up with them on that, talk to them about Pike's Peak and a recent diesel record that was sent, and then jump into some injector hole 
design and, and experiments that, that he's been doing to be able to deliver more power with less smoke, less duration, and talk about how that figures into not just the racing side, but also daily driving, especially on the new trucks, and being able to get more power, keep the engines quiet, do it within the framework of emissions, but delivering power and especially torque the truck owners are going to want without all the things that uh, you know may damage the emission systems. All right, let's get to the podcast with Lenny and chatting about building injectors, injector nozzle design, and a recent Pikes Peak record that was set. Lenny, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. It's it's uh, always a pleasure to to chat with you and catch up. You guys are doing so much so quickly in in the the fuel injection world. It's it's a uh, it's going to be a fun chat today. And there's a lot I have to ask you. There's been some really cool things that have gone on with like the Pikes Peak race and some of the uh, injector things you told us about last time. So I'm glad to be able to chat with you this this morning and catch up with you. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. Uh... I think it's going to be a good chat. we got to kind of keep it short today, but uh, there's a lot to catch up on for sure, man. wanted to jump right in and ask you, last time you had mentioned you were picking up a trailer and you were telling us and, and our listeners about um, being able to build injectors on site, and I wanted to see how that's been coming along and how you've been you know, cranking away on that and, and just what's been going on the last four, six weeks on, on doing some of the custom stuff. Um, that test stand showed up and it was already broken it got dropped in the crate that's awesome oh, yeah it was great uh we had to take it all apart they there's a glass cabinet inside of it and somebody i think they just dropped it too hard like with a forklift or whatever shattered the glass of course you know there's like 10 million little shards of glass everywhere so we disassembled the whole sucker to get all of that garbage out that took days and uh it's back together we put plexiglass in that panel spot um that's that's ready to be wired into our shop on the 18th of this month, I believe, is when we got it scheduled. The Once we get it set up and we're using it and we all know it and we like it and we trust it, then it's just going to be a matter of uh, setting it in a trailer with a generator and our air compressor, and then, yeah, it'll be ready to go. And, you know, anybody that's got uh, a dyno, we could just travel to a dyno on site, calibrate, get things set up perfectly and and build injectors for any specific purpose built motor but the race guys out there are going to keep you busy here as we head into the fall and the winter getting their their trucks and the race vehicles you know ready for for next season and you know spring and summer so i'm sure you'll be she'll be racking up some miles on the on the truck yeah it's it's actually kind of funny knowing how little racing or, or sled pulling has happened this year and still yet how busy we've maintained, even on the performance side. And I do believe that a lot of guys, they, they weren't really competing quite yet, but they were they were trying to build something that was going to be a lot better for when, they, when you know, competition finally comes back around, they'll be ready to roll. Mm-hmm. It's going to be exciting. I think next year's going to be awesome for everybody. Well, that was the thing that, uh, you know, was going around on Facebook and Instagram, and it was really cool to see the Pikes Peak race. Um, and I wanted to ask you about, the and the, there was a record set, you know, by a, a diesel powered vehicle. You guys played a, a you know big role in in the fuel side. And, and for anyone out there that didn't catch it, if you could tell us a little bit about you know the the, the race vehicle, the the guys were racing it, and then what you guys put together for them that uh, helped do that. So the guy, it's uh, Chuckles Garage out of Santa Rosa, California. His name's Scott Birdsall. The truck is called Old Smoky F1. 
uh, FAS Motorsports. They sponsor it, and we sponsor it, of course. I've been with them for five years-ish. Uh, ATS down there in Colorado sponsors transmissions. Um, <clears throat> that truck, it does a lot. Like, they do, like, Laguna Seca-type races. Um, on the track, it'll compete with, like, you know, McLarens and Ferraris and, you know, high-end, you know, ultra-performance cars. And, yeah, it's a Cummins six-cylinder diesel. Um, the motor that was in it for Pikes Peak was actually one of uh, Freedom Racing's engines. Uh, I had just bought the thing, and it was at my shop. Um, unfortunately, the motor that was in it was uh, was a fast motor. And when they were heading up the hill, something happened, and uh, they had a transmission slip where Scotty was, like, put to the carpet, and there wasn't a hard limiter set in the ECM. So it spun to like 7,000 RPM or what have you and ended up hurting itself. So ended up putting a mat in the truck here in town because uh, the only thing we had for a motor as an option was that brand new fleece motor that just showed up the day before. So we threw the crate in the back of Matt's truck. Matt drove down there and Matt uh, jumped in, got elbow neck deep and helped them swap the motor out and get the thing back on the track. And then they went to uh, ATS. ATS went through the trannies again. Uh, they're, you know, they pack spare trannies, obviously, because that thing gets, it gets killed, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's not just a quarter mile pass. It's not just a half mile pass. It's in and out of every turn. And, you know, it's getting laid to it for, for, what is it, 11, 12, 13 minutes. And really, Scott's down there for just about a month because they got to show up and they do tire testing and they got practices, and, you know, they're trying to get familiar with the course. So they spend several days up there testing. So he rents a cabin, he rents a shop up there, and they're there for just about a month by the time it's all said and done. But So the parts get beat, but the uh, the new motor swapped in there. It was just uh, one of Freedom's, kind of like their stage two. You know, it was going in my street truck, actually. And uh, it lived, it did what it was supposed to do and performed well, and I'm really excited. I think uh, I think the truck did exactly what it needed to do. Plus, it's a 14-hole injection nozzle, which is not anything normal in this industry. Uh, we tried it early this spring, and I sent him to Scott. He had one of my five nines back then, and uh, ultimately, the engine that was in the truck, he was out making the hot laps with it, hurt the motor, no big deal. And he was like, man, this thing, the throttle response is insane. These chargers light really good. He was super excited. And that's always the biggest struggle is when you get to 9,500 feet, they run horrible. And then you climb to 14,000 feet, and they run even worse. So my brain said, let's add a bunch of really, really fine, you know, small holes that atomize very, very well, try and increase the combustion efficiency, so when he gets to elevation, it's not just a hot, smoky, you know, clunker because he's got to go into the turns. He's got to come out of the turns. Throttle response is key. Uh, but, yeah, if you get a chance to watch uh, the YouTube video, it's posted. There's, like, basically a 12-minute video. Starts with Scott, and he's just about shaking in his boots, just talking about how excited he is, and then it goes into an in-dash camera live view, and the smokestack is just above the passenger side, like the glove box area. And you can watch that truck for like 11, 11 and a half minutes, and there's barely a whisper of smoke every now and then, but it's basically clean. You can see the uh, data logger on the dashboard, and it's showing you what the EGT is. It's always in check. The thing, 
it ended up getting hot water coolant temp on the way up the hill. So it went into limp mode and it derates at that point. So he lost a bunch of power. But, uh, you know, fortunately, he was deep enough in the race that he'd already, he was already on pace to make a very good pass. And even with limp mode happening at the top of the hill, uh, he still was able to set a new record for a diesel-powered truck going up the hill. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's what was so, <clears throat> so impressive about it was it at that kind of elevation and it exacerbating so many different things and to see just how clean it was and all the different components, you know, and companies and, and the team itself that came together to do that. I was like, this is, this is huge. And, and we've talked about it before, how what's done in that competition space and, and the performance world also translates over to daily drivers and, and the, the things that you guys are learning. And I kind of wanted to transition from that to, you know, what, what a competition like that or what technology or ideas you have for those guys allows you to build for the everyday, you know, tow truck, work truck, daily driver. Um, I, I a hundred percent believe that motorsports in general is the leader of technology for daily driven motor vehicles and emissions period. If you don't believe that the next time you jump in your Corvette Camaro, Ford Taurus, think about NASCAR. Like those guys, they've been, you know, using spark plugs, burning gas forever. And since the origination of NASCAR, all the old Buicks, all the old Mopars, all the old everything has always had NASCAR leading the way so they could then use those really cool things that they were learning at the track and then bringing them to the streets. Increased, you know, head flow, better camshaft design, all of it. It all incorporates to daily drivers every single race. And yeah, this was uh, this was no different. I mean, we, I'm extremely confident saying that you know if Scotty's six seven Freedom Motor can run for 12 minutes basically in and out of the throttle, flat to the carpet, you know, to zero, flat to the carpet to zero, chucking it around to turns, you know, for 1,200 degrees for 11 12 minutes, there is nothing that you can do to it on the street that's ever going to come close to that. Like, you'll never go wide open throttle on the street for 12 minutes. No. So, yeah, we did learn a lot. And, yeah, he had he had two sets of injectors that were identically built. And uh, at that point, I'd kind of called them the high-altitude setup for, you know, for 2020. Um, of course, you know, Jared Bulmer was involved with tuning it from breakout tuning. And they were fortunate enough to get some live tuning when they were at ATS on the dyno. They got a bunch of timing things figured out down low, and uh, the combustion process is totally different. So it's a lot quicker. The The burn time in the chamber seems to be a lot faster. It's not near as laggy or lazy. Um, by the time Jared was done, he was doing a live tune. Just, you know, he was, he was remote. He was at home. But they would take a look at data. They'd make a pass. They'd tell them what the power curve did. They'd tell them how it sounded and what it looked like. And remotely, he was able to get that thing dialed in to do what it did going up the hill. And, you know, for a street truck, let's just say you're what, – what's your elevation right where you're at there in Denverish? It's like about 50 – about 5,300. So you're, you know, in a three, four, five – well, I guess, no, I'm, I'm lying. So back in like 2011, first time I ever went to ATS's Dino Day, I was driving around town trying not to smoke. And I'd had a bully dog GT tuner on my dash, had a set of our like old 50 horse injectors on there in the truck and a set of compounds. 
And you really had to light foot it or else you could just black out an intersection with no efforts. Today, with EFI Live and all of the educated tuners that have, you know, really good platformed base tunes, with what we're doing with injector technology and with, you know, all the blanks that we've got now, we can build you a nozzle, and I'm certain I'm confident in this. I, I'm confident that you could do, I would say, a 750 horsepower, 6, 7, or 5, 9 with proper tuning that would be, like, smoke-free at your elevation. And the reason I'm so confident is because you are half the, the elevation, basically, is what Pike Peak starts at. Yeah. So, yeah, we learned a lot. Yeah, we're going to bring it to the streets, and, yeah, it's going to be great. And, you know, that really <clears> – <throat> It's, it's super unfortunate the way that the EPA has kind of attacked the diesel stuff because, and it really is the visual that they're upset with. It's the people that get blacked out by, you know, these young guys that think it's cool to roll coal when they don't understand the mechanics of what's going on. Like, they've, they've, been, they've been rolling coal at every intersection. They're flooding the crankcase. They're diluting it with diesel. The engine life is shorter because they're not, you and I know that nobody changes oil as often as it needs to be. They change it every five, six, seven thousand miles. When you're rolling coal and you're idling with a haze, you're basically washing down the cylinder walls and all that diesel that's not being burnt ends up in the engine oil. And the engine oil is not a great lubricant when you've got it, you know, saturated in diesel. So a lot of what we're trying to do and a lot of my goal is to distribute nozzles that can be sold. So any of our WDs, we got a bunch of WDs out there that sell to a lot of shops. And we're talking, you know, the 15, well, call it, call it five or six WDs that distribute to shops and, uh, you know, not just drive-in service centers, but injection shops as well. Those guys will have access to a high-quality nozzle that's built for a specific design goal. So, you know, if you're a 3.0 sled pull truck, you need all the efficiency of the burn period, five holes is the leading design for that class right now. But five holes that size on the street, horrible. But to get the overall ghost quantity in there at a lower RPM, we could now do, you know, 14 holes. Uh, our six, seven stuff starts with eight. We add four, that's 12. Those things drive better than they've ever drove. The throttle response is amazing. The fuel economy is amazing. Smoke control is amazing. We've got five nines that are street driven with ten holes in them. We've got uh, actually we've got some five nines with twelve holes in them as well. And heck, I'm doing a P-pumped converted VP style motor uh, this morning. I did seven holes at a certain wire diameter for the gross quantity to get the quantity up because it's a P-pump. And he wants to make a thousand horsepower. And then we did seven other holes in there at a different wire diameter to increase the atomization and to make sure that we get the combustion efficiency. The speed of that process has to happen, and it all needs to be done and over with before the exhaust valve opens. Otherwise, you end up with a bunch of black smoke. And, you know, the, the black smoke is what's offending people right now. So I'm just going to do my best to try and use the tools we've got to create an industry that doesn't have such a black eye. And that really, if we're going to be in this for a good long time, we need to start making less people upset daily. So, you know, for all the guys that are out there doing stupid stuff on the streets, please stop. Like, 
Your LB7 Duramax with big holes, low injection pressure, it's easier to smoke out of that truck than it is out of somebody that's supposedly broken the law with an L5P that's deleted it that, that can't hardly get the thing to smoke. Um, nobody cared about the L5P. The only thing they really cared about was the black smoke, and that could have been a 12LP pump truck as well. You know, these guys call up, and they're like, man, I've, I've taken my fuel plate out, and I've taken the aneroid foot out, and this thing still ain't got enough fuel. And I'm like, holy cow, kid, like, you've got to be just coal rolling everywhere and making everybody upset, which in turn, the way the letter of the laws wrote, it's a slippery slope, and I don't, wanna, I don't want this industry to head down that slope. And it's it's changed so much from a long, long time ago. Like, I know when I first got into diesels, a 6.7 had just came out. And even at that time, I knew people with second gens that, you know, would get letters in the mail for, you know, smoke stuff. And you get a $50 ticket or 75 or whatever it was. So it's not like it hasn't been on the radar. It wasn't on the radar before. It's just like new. Like, it just came out within the last couple of years. Like, it's been there for a while. And I mean, really, you know, back then, if I, if I think of, you know, what people were trying to do, they wanted to kind of go fast. You could, you could make good power. You could go quick. You know, what we would define quick as that time, but the technology and the, the refinement of it wasn't quite there. So it was like, you know, it's, it's just gonna, this five nine is just going to smoke, you know, until you get the chargers lit. Whereas now it's like, that's not the case anymore. There's so much with fueling and tuning and turbo technology and pairing them with the engine and all those sorts of things where it's like, I, I would rather go faster if I'm at the track and make more power than just have this, this attention. And, and I, and with all the companies that we chat with and the people and all the different things, this isn't, it's not just a, a fuel injector or a fuel injection pump, you know, issue. It affects everything and not just DPF trucks, even older ones that didn't have that or, you know, have quote unquote emissions on them. It's, it's a whole industry wide platform wide microscope that's out there. When you and I first did this, uh, when we started this year out, it was just about, I want to say it was like January 3rd ish. And I know that we spoke a little bit about people that were deleting their trucks and how mm -hmm. I felt it was a bad idea for you as a, as a guy that was making payments on an $80,000 truck. I feel like it's a bad idea because I feel like soon there's going to be a point when you go to trade that sucker in and the car lot looks at you and they go, no, sorry, bro. Like we're going to give you nothing. Yeah. And that happened this year. I've had, I've had other customers call up and they're like, Hey, um, you know, what do you think I should do with this truck? Because now I'm stuck with it because they went to the local dealer. They tried to turn it in and ultimately they're being told that it's worth 50 cents on the dollar because without emissions gear on it, if you put it on the World Wide web, you know, if you're, if you're John that owns John's auto sales and you post it on the WWW and a guy from Colorado calls up and says, Hey, look, I'm really interested, John. I want to buy that truck. You put him on an airplane, you fly him in, he's super stoked about the truck, he gives you money for it, he goes back to Colorado, and he goes to emissions, and it's deleted. Well, now, this guy calls up John and says, hey, John, I don't know what you want to do, buddy, but your truck is illegal, and I can't get it licensed in my state. So then John is stuck paying the check right back to the consumer, 
he's got an upset guy that's probably going to, you know, get on the Internet no matter what and talk bad about John's auto sales. And now John's got to try and figure out how he's going to get his uh, truck back from Colorado to wherever the truck started at. Well, car lots realize that now because it's happened enough, and they're, they don't want them on the car lots. So you get these bigger car lots that have really strong websites, and they've got, you know, basically a car salesman's job isn't to be an emissions specialist. They're not going to walk out to a car and say, oh, yeah, you know, I personally looked at the emissions gear, and it's still on it. No. You call up and say, I'm looking at stock number 1234XYZ. That guy's going to say, you bet, let me put a, a deal together for you, and he's going to try and sell it. You go to California, Colorado, Utah, get it licensed there. Oops, sorry, it doesn't pass here. Well, then the ball starts rolling, and I've seen that. So, yeah, I mean, I tell with all the – basically, deletes are almost, you know, as far as practical purposes are concerned, this year the government did a good job of shutting people with their deletes down. There's not very many people offering delete tunes. And even though we sell injectors, we're still in the diesel pickup industry. People call us and ask for deletes, and I say, look, there are so many other ways about going about this. Do not delete your truck. And then I explain it to them, and they're like, oh, man, I never thought about it. And really, where we were six months ago compared to where we are today, the trucks run way better. There is no doubt in my mind. And, uh, you know, we've learned a lot. Like I've got – we've just picked up so much knowledge on – on how to keep an emissions-friendly truck alive. Uh, I'm working with some rather large farms, and they've had emissions issues. They've got trucks. Uh, some trucks, no matter who drives it, substitute driver, the guy that sits in truck number one every day, certain trucks use DEF more frequently than the other truck, even though it was bought on the same day at the same, at the same car lot or truck lot. And we've been working on injector things for those trucks as well. And I'm, I'm telling you that there's, there's a lot to be learned in the injection event and the speed of the process of the event. And uh, I believe that, you know, we're, we're on the cusp of changing things for the better, and you won't have to be out there breaking the law and rolling coal. And, you know, it's, uh, it makes no sense to me to spend 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 grand and then go to turn your Bluetooth on and talk to your mom, and she's like, Pick up the damn phone. I can't hear you. Your truck. Aren't you still making $1,000 a month payments on that? And then you go, I'm yelling at you about how impractical you are. We all know how impractical you are. I think we had chatted once before, and it, it, was a, it was a perfect analogy where we were talking about muscle cars, like the classic ones, and, and how, you know, at the time, how they became iconic for the power and, and the racing that was around them. And then in the late 70s and 80s and, gosh, even 90s, just how underpowered some of these vehicles are. Where now, you know, you get a Hellcat or that new TRX Ram or what Ford's going to be doing with their Raptor. And these cars and trucks that are over 700 horsepower and you can drive them wherever you want to go. And I think ultimately that's what we want with diesel. It just wasn't, wasn't as quick as we expect things to happen. But ultimately, that's that's what we want, and it's closer now than it was five years ago for sure. And I mean, who wouldn't want to be able to take their you know almost 500 crank horsepower factory diesel pickup truck with a thousand foot pounds up to seven or 800 within the framework of what you can do and drive it anywhere, and and make more power? I would rather do that and not have to deal with the headache, like you mentioned, of what if I you know just get tired of this truck in 
five years and I want to go get a different one and now I can't sell it or, you know, anything like that. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because yesterday, so I, I, uh, I found this truck that we're going to call project time capsule and basically it's a 94 standard cab two wheel drive Dodge truck. Somebody pulled the motor transmission and wiring out of it when it was a hundred thousand miles old. And I have no idea what year it was when that happened, but it was a long time ago because dashboard seats, carpet, all perfect. Like it is a really nice truck. So yesterday I was with Matt and we were going to run out and work on project time capsule, which is at our other shop in Washington. It's like 45 minutes away from where we are. We get there and go to set pump timing. Well, and the, the socket was 45 minutes away back in the other toolbox. And of course, you know, like me, I'm, I'm never upset. No, it totally pissed me off because I hate it. <laughs> so we jump in my dually. We jump on the street. We turn, and there's like two uh, industrial blocks. And I'm standing on the gas pedal. I just got some wheels from uh, uh, the guys at DDC, the dually design company. So it's four tires on the back end, and they're BF Goodrich all-terrains. So the, the, it's basically dead quiet. And inside the truck, it's dead quiet. When you stood on the gas pedal, all you could hear were the sipes on the tires opening up and scrubbing like kind of a <laughs> that's all you didn't hear motor, you didn't hear anything other than a I kind of you know of course I was upset, I was kind of pissed off because we're wasting much time and i'm I'm driving to the the store for a thirty millimeter half inch socket. I look at Matt, Matt looks at me, and we both start laughing because of how stupid quiet the truck is and how it was trying to scratch the tires. And then I'm like, where the hell's the traction control button in this truck? Because I want to hear what they sound like when, when the ECU is not trying to pull the power out, you know? Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. Like, these things make a ton of power. That's four tires out back of a dually, and they're scratching, and the truck's so bloody quiet. You could have been on the phone talking to mom, and she wouldn't have known that you were out doing, you know, basically dang their burnouts. They're, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there real quick. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure in a year from now, we're going to look back at this conversation and be like, oh, yeah, that was before all of our stuff was EO tested. That was before this. That was before that. And uh, people won't be disappointed. They won't hate their trucks. It's changing. It's changing so fast. And I, I love covering these kind of topics. And it, it's a steady stream throughout the year that we'll get of their, their questions about emissions and I think a lot of people, as far as truck owners or enthusiasts out there, there's so much content from a number of different sources of people talking about this, whether they're in the industry or they're not, or they work on a, you know, a part of, um, you know, the, the diesel performance side where they've talked about this and they've, the perception has changed a lot versus five years ago where nobody really cared or wanted to even talk about how you make 650 horsepower with a DPF and, not increasing the emissions output or not, you know, sitting the DPF and all that stuff to where now people are more interested in it. And it's just, you know, it's happening fast. It's, it's less than a year since I can think of our first episode where it was just like, you know, the tuners, you know, were first talking about it. Like, Hey, this is changing. We've been talking about it for a while, but officially now things are, are getting different and this is what we're going to be offering. And it's, it's just progressed. So I just want to see, you know, the equivalent of a, of a, you know, like that, like I said, that TRX Ram half ton that they have. I want, I look forward to the diesels like that, you know, and, and what we can do, 
you know, with these things that, uh, that you just wouldn't think were possible, you know, like right now, like, can I imagine having an eight, 900 horsepower truck that I can drive to any of the 50 States? And if I get tired of it, trade it in or whatever. And there's, there's not an issue. That's, that's cool. That's what I want as a truck owner. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There's, there's so many tests that we've already done, and each one of those tests raises at least three, four, five new questions. Uh, one question was, the elevation, so if let's just say we take the nozzle and we set it so the base of it, the part that would actually touch the body is on, on the desk right in front of you. And the tip or the sack of it is up, you know, in the air. I wanted to know what would happen if we popped holes in there at different elevations in the sack. Because in the past, when we're using OEM stuff that we're just extrude honing, or we send them out and have them EDM, the EDM shop's not going to do a bunch of custom stuff for you because it's a pain. But I thought, all right, the day we get blanks, the first question mark I want to answer is elevation. And with the exact same nozzles, blanks, with the exact same size holes, with the same K factor, with the, you know, same, 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 same. We ran three different nozzles. We punched holes in at the same angle at three different elevations in the sack. And we found a sweet spot for return rates that would drop. We found a sweet spot for delivery rates that were higher than any other spot. And we found spots that were just donkeys. They just didn't work. So... There is so many opportunities as we continue changing our technology and continue getting blanks. The opportunities and the the years to come, I really believe, like things that we're doing, we're going to be able to help even the OEMs come out with product in the future that they don't have the time to test. But if they call me up and schedule, then I can do some things for them and show them proof uh, give them data and let them know that, hey, if you're going to build 6,000 of these things a day, this is how I would go about doing it, and these are the reasons why. And I really, you know, I'd love to see that day happen because, you know, you get to these bigger cities um, like London, Mexico City, Los Angeles, where there's so much bloody traffic. There's constantly a haze over the city, and the first thing people think of is it's the diesel. Well, not necessarily. Yeah. You've still got you know, 50 automobiles out there that are powered with gasoline. And when you have that many cars running, there's going to be an accumulation of emissions. And then you've got, you know, all the, the natural gases. you got, you know, you got coal. you got, uh, you got just regular natural gas. You've got other gases. People are, they're consuming stuff every single day from their homes and their restaurants. you got pizza places out there that, that got, you know, they're, they're making some smoke off their stoves and all that stuff accumulates. And when you have such a dense population of people, the first thing everybody says is blame the damn diesel. Well, that, that doesn't make any sense. But if we can get the diesels to where they just 
don't have the emissions output physically, like you can't physically see it, I believe a bunch of the temperature will come off of the diesel industry. And overall, the diesels won't be known as just a bunch of hillbillies out there that are just, uh, you know, trying to stir up problems and roll coal and things like that. Even though I, I don't believe that an unburnt hydrocarbon, you know, I don't believe that when that hits the ground and the rain washes it into the gutter, I don't believe, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm positive that it's going to help grasses and weeds grow. But to the lane out there, you know, you told me a story about when you went to California they get upset. They think that it's actually hurting their lungs, right? Yeah, that was 12 or 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was there, yeah. Those are the people that we have to appeal to. You know, if they can't see it, then they won't be upset about it. It's the easy thing to blame, you know? Like, are they going to spend the time to, to learn all the ins and outs and the engineering and the, the theory behind combustion? No. They, all they're going to know is this truck in front of them at a stoplight squealed the tires and there was this huge black cloud in the middle of the intersection and they had their windows down and they didn't like the smell and they coughed and that happens enough then that's the perception you know injection so common rails taught us a lot and uh injector sizing is part of a common rail that's really key and critical if you take the old days where you had like a bully dog gt or an edge you know tuner mm -hmm. clicked it up a power level all you did was increase the microseconds or the duration the injector hung on your highest levels would be really close to 3,000 microseconds plus or minus say 400 so so maybe 2600 but some of those things were 3400 microseconds and they would really start to smoke you'd have them on a dyno you'd see maybe 10 or 15 horsepower difference but it went from zero smoke to a tiny bit to a little bit to, oh, Lord, is that truck on fire smoke? And that last level didn't pick up a whole lot of power. And the reason for that is because what happens is when you extend the microseconds out like that, all you're doing is piston comes up, you start to inject fuel, piston rolls over the top, piston starts heading back down the bore, and you're chasing the piston with diesel. And, yes, you do pick up a little bit of power, but it's not enough to really warrant it. So what, what, what is happening is as the piston is running away from the top of the, the head, it's actually losing compression, right? So then it doesn't have a chance to ever expand or, or get reheated. Exhaust valve opens, boom, it hits the turbine wheel, and it goes out the, the exhaust system. Well, now it's just unburnt diesel that never had a chance to, to make your truck move forward. So with Scott Birdsall's car, even though we're at 14,000 feet, we sized the injector properly so we could keep the injection of it very, very short, meaning the event was very short, say 11 or meh, 1,000 to 1,200 microseconds. So we were, we were using all of the compression in one small opportune time to shove the piston down as fast as possible without putting out a bunch of black smoke. If we had a smaller injector in there, and this is counterintuitive to what most think, a smaller injector to make the same amount of horsepower would have needed more microseconds, and we would have had more black smoke coming out of the tailpipe. So everything has its sweet spot. You pick how much power you want to make, we make an injector that's going to work well for your elevation and what you're trying, that, that truck's lifestyle. 
and we're going to get it to where it doesn't have to be all black and smoky like they have been in the past. That's cool. Yeah, I, 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 I well, I think everyone's ready for 2020 to kind of be over when we get into 2021. But for the the, the diesel stuff, that's what's going to be so exciting is to see what you guys have been working on all year and are going to continue working on, you know, into the fall and winter. But then what we're seeing at the tracks next year and what we're seeing, you know, if I go on your site and I've got a, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 truck, and I'm looking for something to, you know, run on, run on my vehicle, I can find it. And just what we're going to see at the dyna, what we're going to see for performance, what we're going to see all around it, it it's it's really exciting and it's just things are progressing so fast it's almost hard to keep up with it all and that's what's so cool about what i do is getting to chat with guys like yourself and you know pick your brain for a while and just be like what are you guys working on what's what's coming up next and then all of a sudden you know there's this new part out and you know people are ordering it and they're giving feedback and they're like man this one's way better than this you know what i had before what i had 10 years ago or man i love this thing i can actually have a conversation on the phone well, I'm accelerating onto the highway or the freeway. Yeah, it's we're one other thing that we've been working on here is, and I think we've talked about it before is we've got that motor on the engine dyno that we made 2,500 horsepower with, straight number two diesel, no no nitrous, no water injection, no water mass, and that was on a single uh, Jeb uh, 4.4 charger, and he says that's good to about 2,700 horse. We were able to make 2,500 at 1200 microseconds that's incredible but when you start the dyno run at 5000 rpm and you end it at 55 5600 the if the injection event stretches out further than 1200 microseconds we really have to start advancing the timing or else the injection event happens when we're chasing the piston down the hole and that's not what we're after so I know we spoke about this last time, and basically I pulled the plug right when we got to where we got because it was totally safe. Our timing was still in the 30s. We hadn't got to 40 degrees yet. Uh, cylinder pressures were good. Everything looked fantastic. But if we went to 1,400 microseconds, we could have made more power, but we would have been over 40 degrees of timing at that point to keep it you know, right where we wanted it. So we basically popped the injectors out. We waited on the blanks to show up. And the other day, actually this real real recently, we were we were popping holes in, and we discovered that based off the elevation of that hole in the sack, we didn't necessarily have to go to a bigger hole to gain MMs cubed. And that's great because the smaller the hole, the better the atomization because the droplet size is smaller, meaning the combustion process will be more precise and more clean. You'll, you'll use more fuel being squirted in the hole instead of just sending it out the tailpipe. So where initially, two months ago, three months ago, when, it, when last time we were on the engine dyno with that, I was thinking, well, I'm just going to have to pop bigger holes in there, and that was all there was to it. Uh, now that we've got the blanks, we discovered not necessarily do we have to pop bigger holes in there, but we have to change the location of the holes. We're going to gain the way we've got our test stand set up, that thing needs to gain about 40 millimeters cubed with the fuel, and we will have enough fuel at the timing map that we were at before to get us to 3,000 horsepower. The only thing we're going to be lacking at that point is going to be turbocharger, because like I said, the the charger that's on there, uh, Eric said we we're good to 2,700 horse, and uh, I don't want to blow it up, so we're going to have to put something bigger on it to get to 3K. But I still have a goal of getting 3,000 horsepower 
EGTN check, no drugs, no water meth, no nitrous, no nothing. Single charger, you know, call it 80, 90 pounds of boost probably. And once we get there, that's going to, you know, every time we go there, we learn so much. It's it's just one of the coolest things on the planet to be, to have those opportunities. And we're actually working on, you know, doing some EO testing right now. And that's not a cheap process. So instead of wasting a bunch of money, we're having to buy a new dyno here. And it'll have dual load cells on it because the way the emissions system works is you have to put things under a steady static load for, say, 20, 30 seconds. And they want to measure the output gas at 100 horsepower, 200 horsepower, 300 horsepower. By the time we go into California and we have parts and we've got a truck, I want to know that at home we can pass the test. Because if I just drive down there, hand somebody a big fat check to test my stuff and then we fail, then the testing process becomes a lot more expensive, right? So I'm oh, gonna, yeah. we're, we're never going to go knowing we're going to fail. We're only going to go when we know we're going to pass. There's, yeah, it's hold on 2021. It's going to be amazing. You guys are staying busy. It, it's it's cool to you know, hear what you guys are cranking on and, and working on. And, man, I'm excited. I'm really, really pumped up about what uh, – what's going to be available for both, both crowds, both, you know, the, the guys that race and, and their race vehicles, but also, you know, most of us aren't, and, you know, we're fans of it, but we're driving our trucks. We want a little bit more, you know, a little bit more to tow or just a little bit more for, you know, some power and it, seeing them both come together in the testing, the things you guys are working on with different types of, of racing, like Pike's Peak stuff is vastly different than the quarter mile stuff or eighth mile and how it's all being brought together to where you own a truck, you go on your website, you can order this, you know what it's going to do. And, you know, even if you're just getting the nozzles, like you'd mentioned getting the nozzles, but then being able to have, you know, your local diesel shop calibrate them to, you know, what, uh, you know, what, uh, what your goal is. That's, that's huge as well. It's, Trying to make this this entire industry something that it's not today is going to change the the person that goes to buy a diesel powered pickup truck. It will be a different person. Like I want to make sure that every single person out there that gets in a diesel doesn't have a stigmatism as they drive down their neighborhood of being the guy that's polluting the air. Uh, yeah. Right now, there's enough of that. You, you drive down the street and you see. Trump flag, Trump flag, Trump flag, and then you see an Biden, uh, a Biden flag, and you know that there's kind of a rub between those two people already. And then you see yeah. a Tesla, a Subaru, a dog's diesel truck. You, you kind of feel that exact same way in certain climates. And obviously California being one of the most uh, you know liberal, concerned about the air. And I don't necessarily think it's diesel, to be honest. I think it's just the sheer quantity of people they have in such a small populated area, that's the real problem. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to try and get rid of the uh, dynamite diesel. Will do its very best to make sure that all of the people out there have an opportunity to drive something with the desired power that they really need to do the job they're trying to do. Have some fun, get great fuel economy, own something that has big heavy parts in it that's willing to tow something heavy you know, like their boat, their camp trailer, their whatever, and not break or blow up every 100,000 miles. You know, you, you take, when I was a kid, 
350 cubic inch gasoline motor was kind of the staple of of town. Like everybody's dad drove a, an old Chevy pickup or a Blazer with with a small block in it. And, you know, those things make it 150, 170,000 miles. And you were patting the guy on the back to put the motor together, right? Like, oh, man, that was a good one. That was a great motor. Mm-hmm. Today, if you're not making it 400,000 miles, don't brag. You, you've done nothing special. And it's hilarious because, you know, people go 150, 175,000 miles all set of injectors, and they're upset. Well, wind yourself back 30 years, you were getting new spark plugs along with a new motor. And that's, you know, a lot of it had to do with the fact that people were trying to do things with little, little cubic inch motors, very lightweight parts, metals weren't very good, and they were still trying to, you know, like back, again, I came from a, a farm community, and the, uh, the farm trucks around there that you would haul like grain or potatoes in, those all had small block uh, Chevrolet powered motors in them. Some of them had a few 427 truck motors in them, but basically it was all just a 350-powered community. And, of course, you know, it's changed, but those things did not last. And we're driving stuff today that has way more power, and it lasts 300,000, 400,000 miles, which if the EPA really wants to pay attention and they want to look at the carbon footprint, think about how much effort goes into building a crankshaft into casting cylinder heads and a cylinder block. If we, as a diesel community, can use that for two to three to four times as long before destroying it, then the factories aren't putting out the emissions at the foundries. So our footprint starts better right there. And throughout time, if we can keep from rolling coal and and given the folks that don't understand what that stuff really is, something to look at and, and complain about, not only will we actually have a cleaner carbon footprint, but we'll look like we have a cleaner carbon footprint, which is, at the end of the day, that's all anybody cares about is how things look. It's how they perceived. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just going to just gonna mention that. It's, 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 so much of this is about perception, but then for the enthusiasts, it's about performance. And I think, you know, the, the enthusiasts, I don't, I don't think they really care what the, the rest of the country or the rest of the people think about them or their diesel enthusiasm but it it ties in so much together about growing it and appealing it's just like you know with with the gas world is you can have somebody who's an enthusiast in one part of the country and and the same enthusiasm in new york city or los angeles or these other areas and they're tied together by that platform that they chose and what they like and that's really the future of diesels being able to do that same thing because somebody in a different part of the country may not want that that stigma attached to them hey i'm going to pull into my my neighborhood and they're going to see you know my truck haze at idle and i just don't want that or i just don't want to do that maybe they you know they just don't want that part of it but they like the idea of diesel they like the idea of this engine lasting they like the idea of the torque the torque curve the refinement maybe they need it for something and that's where that's definitely where the future is is in bringing in more people having more platforms and more choices for people within diesel ownership and performance absolutely there's i would say that everybody listening to your podcast is somebody that enjoys the funny feeling that when peak torque hits it puts them in the seat they kind of look over at you know whoever's sitting next to them they smile and they go, oh, that was kind of fun. And they're yeah. craving it for the next time, right? Like it's always that uh, 
ooh, that kind of makes me feel a little bit funny. I like it. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to make noise and roll coal for that. You just don't. Uh, I would prefer nobody did that because if nobody did it, I guarantee you the EPA would move on to something else that was the, the next bigger problem. Bear in mind, those guys are answering phone calls and complaints from everybody. So if all of a sudden we quit rolling coal on people and we quit posting up stupid videos of people rolling coal, then there's nothing to complain about. You, you look at the guy on the, what's that TV show, uh, Street Outlaws? Yeah. They can run seven gallons of alcohol on an eight-mile pass. Nobody sees it going uh, up into the atmosphere. They're, they're driving down a two-lane blacktop with yellow, you know, stripes. We know it's a public street. We know that it's blocked off and that there's nobody going to get run over or killed. But if one of those cars rolls, heaven forbid, it takes out one of those light poles, who pays for that? How come nobody's complaining about that? But yet, you know, the Diesel Brothers, they're out in an ORV park in an old Willys truck that didn't even come with a diesel motor, and they get sued because of a big plume of smoke that they put into the sky when they were in an ORV park. So, again, it's all about perception. It's what people see. It's not what you're actually doing to the environment, unfortunately. It's never that. It's what people see. And please, like I beg you, if you have a truck that constantly smokes too much, uh, reach out to us at my shop. I will do my very best to get you into something that's going to be much cleaner, and I will help you as cheap as I can just to help try and clean up this industry. And if you're not able to reach out to us at my shop, go to your local shop, tell him that I said this, and have your local shop guy reach out to us. We'll do our very best at Dynamite to try and make sure everybody out there is as clean as possible. And if we've got nothing for you, because, you know, everybody out there has got a different application, if i got nothing for you at this point, then I'm not going to try and push you into something. But there, in the last few months, we've made some serious technology changes, and we've cleaned things up a lot. As always, Lenny, it is, it's great to, to catch up with you, hear your thoughts. You definitely got... Uh got some really cool things you know in the fire and some things that are are, are great industry-wide for no matter what part of it we're in or really into and i uh i can't wait to chat with you here in a little bit and see the the the, the warp speed you've made on on progress with these other things so i, I appreciate your time today i know you guys are busy you got some cool things you're working on so i don't want to take up too much of your time but yeah thanks for stopping by chatting with us and you know sharing some really cool stuff and some some uh things we can look forward to as diesel enthusiasts well you know it's just an opportunity for me to to get out there and say some things to people that that i normally don't get to talk to and i just want to let you know you know patrick how much we appreciate it how much the diesel industry needs this kind of stuff and and how much i personally appreciate you uh allowing me to jump on the show with you again thank you don't forget diesel fans if you're looking for information right to the point short five to ten minute questions, answers, things that guests have told us about issues on trucks, how to fix things, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Just search the Diesel Podcast. And if you're looking to save 10% on BD Diesel products, head on over to alligatorperformance.com. Check out what they have and give them a call if you got any questions and need some help on your build or, or fixing something on your truck, whether it's old or new. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.